Orioles Event Center in Akron. I was about to say tomorrow night. I don't know why. I think it's Friday. It's not. It's, it's, only, not. it's only Wednesday. We'll also say you see Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie throughout today's program. I uh, last night was a night I wish I was not a cord cutter. I, uh, I I admittingly will will tell you I did catch up on Sunday's episode of Billions, which is normally runs on Showtime. Um, and I, uh, I know I was on my, I don't steal things yesterday. Um, but I did work out a plan with a friend of mine where some online streaming services that we pay for, I pay for this handful of them and she then pays for the other handful and she has paid for, uh, the Amazon prime and she has a Showtime subscription attached to it, was able to catch billions Dude, that's one of the best shows on TV. If you're not watching that show, like I don't know what you're watching. Billions is so good. Maggie Siff is a is an actress I love. You'll know her. She was Jax's wife from Sons of Anarchy. Um, I just find her to be she's really good, but she's also just I find her to be extremely attractive. So I get sucked into shows she's on. But um, Billions is very very good. But I was sad I was a cord cutter last night because I didn't get a chance to watch the return of Roseanne, and. Everything I'm reading so far that I read after it ran last night and uh, everything I'm reading so far this morning is that people really, really liked it. And I was curious because I felt like the anticipation I felt like left itself open to be a letdown. But I held out positivity on it because I said, well, Norm MacDonald's your head writer and Norm MacDonald's very, very funny. And a voice like Norm MacDonald's is missing in television today. Norm MacDonald is a conservative person. He views the world through a conservative lens. That is wildly, wildly lacking in today's television environment. It just is. And so I felt like there was a hole in the marketplace for Roseanne to come back. And she's, and again, she was on Kimmel the other night, and he was like, I'm surprised you're doing this. You were a liberal person. And she maintains, much like I do, which is I'm still a very much a liberal person. It's just the liberal party has changed, and you've become so crazy, nobody can stand next to you. And that's kind of her stance now. And from what I understand, they ran two episodes last night. And I hear the first one was very Trump-heavy, and then the second one, not so much. Like, they went, you, they took you through the first episode and was like, all right, this is we need to set up who everyone is, so we'll run you through all the Trump stuff. You'll get a feeling on who this character is in relations to this story, and this person, and this person, and this person. Kind of established characters there. And then in the second episode, I hear they were kind of already, like, well-moved by it. And it'll probably come back and forth in the season. They'll kind of do it. It's going to be a big part of what they do. It was always a big part of what they do. And Norm's always been a political person. And so when he was penning all those great episodes back in the day, he was doing it through that filter. And I think it's wildly needed right now. You see people passing around that photo of all the late night hosts. And all of them are what? They're all the exact same party. They all have the same exact thought on every same thing that's going on out there well because they're hired by a network and they kind of have to have that opinion otherwise you don't get to have a tv show because the rest of us will pretend that we care that they have a different opinion and so there's there's this thing that's been missing from the conversation in television and i think it's going to be a welcomed addition back to your tv lineup and I would. I expected more discussion about it this morning than I'm seeing on social media. But again, I think that that's part of the algorithms that Facebook's been doing. And also, I'll, full disclosure, I have unfollowed a million of you on, on, on Facebook. I have hit the unfollow button so much in the last six months because I'm just tired of everything. 
So maybe there are more people talking about it and I'm not seeing it. But there's a guy who works here in the building that I thought for sure was going to hate it because he's so liberal that honestly, like he'll cry at like Geico commercials. Like that's how liberal he is. I mean, dude, he's just a big, soft pansy. Like I've never seen a softer pansy in my life. And he thought it was hilarious. So like if they can do what they did last night and not completely piss off people who are that anti-Trump, I think this is going to be a big old. They're going to have a big old hit on the ring. Um, yeah, plenty of excitement for it. I um, I, I went to go watch it this morning, but it wasn't available on demand, which I kind of was like, "Well, ABC, what are you doing, man? Like, get that get that thing available to me." Now, granted, it was it was like three thirty in the morning when I was trying to watch it, so like maybe they wait twelve hours or twenty four hours or whatever it is. Uh, there. That might be smart. I mean, dude, like, in the, I mean, you want people watching it when it's on. Uh, hit it while it's hot, though. I mean, once it's on, it's well, on. I mean, Fantona came back last night. Roseanne's going to be hot for six weeks. But nobody's going to be able... But you, you, if you were going to watch it live, you've already watched it live. I'm saying hit it, like, ride the wave of momentum. Like, people are talking about it. Like, have it available the next morning. Well, I mean, as we're talking about it right now, if people are, like, still getting ready for work, I'm like, all right, I got time. Maybe i watch that. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's not a bad I argument. mean, I'm just saying that, like... If if you've got something if you've got something with momentum like take advantage of it I ju- I would just think that I would say once it's aired okay plays at eight eight thirty make that thing available for streaming if you I, want the streaming numbers I know you HBO do. and Showtime back in the day used to wait a day they would wait a whole day Be- and again I think it was because they they what they have multiple channels and so they run them again later. And on in the night on one of their other feeds. West Coast feed, sure. I mean, oh yeah, that's probably you're a couple what hours it is. behind. But I would just think by midnight. You know what I'm saying? Like if if you wanna if you want those streams up. Yeah. I mean, after the West Coast has seen it, I could I could agree there that that's a little crazy not to have it on online, or to not have it on their demand service. No, maybe t- they're not gonna have it. Oh, by the time I go home, I'm sure it's gonna be up. You know what I'm saying? By the time it hits noon today, I would expect it to be up. Like if, if I wonder if they're not gonna do it. I think it'd be crazy if you didn't, right? Well, I mean, dude, this is the thing. This is what everybody said about Taylor Swift. She's crazy. And then she sold a billion records. And now she's on the streaming services, but only after you bought the record. You you paid for the record. And now she puts it out. And this is what I said about Adele and Jason Aldean and Taylor Swift about the music thing. These people were resistant to the streaming. Why? Because they know they got the goods. You actually want to hear the whole Jason Aldean record. You want to hear the whole Taylor Swift record. You want to hear the whole Adele record. So when you really have it, you don't have to give it away. You can make people pay you. And so I wonder if there's a little bit of that with Roseanne. I'm not saying there. I don't know what their plan is. But maybe they're thinking, like, dude, everything else on TV effing sucks. It's all terrible. People are leaving television in record numbers. And we're the thing that's going to be good. So let's not pander. Let's not give these people every last thing that they want and then create this disposable product that they don't really care about because they can watch it later, delete it, do this. I'll just stream it again, watch it again. Maybe they're sitting there thinking, do we got a hit on our hands and we're going to cultivate this the way TV used to be before they were cowards and gave the audience everything at every minute and then created this system where nobody cares about anything anymore that maybe they're going to hold out to a different system. I don't know. It'd be interesting. It's a it's a gamble. But if you've really got the goods, like Taylor Swift, it pays off huge in the end. Because A, you bought the record, and B, the streaming services have paid her more money than they have every other artist to carry the art. Why? Because it's good. Because it's good. Everything else you can give away, because it's all trash and garbage. And it's not worth watching. 
So maybe there might be a different system. It's going to be interesting to see what Roseanne does there. My guess is it'll be on demand. I'm calling for a for a better system. I don't think you'll get it. Your shot at $1,000 every single hour. The first one's right now. Your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. Rock. 106.9. The Stansberry Show. We may not be a global epidemic yet. On iHeartRick Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. Hit me. We'll pass out a, uh, another $1,000, seven ten this morning. You know what? At 7.30, actually, we'll send you to see Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie. That show in July out at Blossom will get you in. A lot of good rock shows at Blossom. So apparently there is a list of questions that if you're a smart husband that you will not ask your wife. And I'm willing to bet most married dudes right now just went, oh yeah, dude, I got a list of, dude, I got a couple of them. I've learned, I've learned. My dad used to say to me all the time about being married that Daniel, when you get married, that the best advice I can give you is just sit in the other room and wait for your name to be called. <laughs> That's it. And then that that and his other great piece about being married was, Dan, learn to love the madness. You're getting it anyway. So learn to love it. Those were his two big pieces of advice on marriage. Yeah, I mean, I, I think my dad kind of gave me the same advice, at least in the sense of like, well, just be ready to do something. You know what I mean? If she tells you to get in the car, go get in the car. If she tells you to go fix that, go fix that. Like, that's what you're signing up for. So I, I think that's, at least, you know, from my perspective, like pretty decent advice. Man, what a male-dominated society. Just do whatever you're told. So apparently on this list of questions that smart husbands will not ask their wives is, have you worked out this week? They say that's only slightly better than asking, have you gained weight? They say, even if you mean this as an innocent like inquiry into their week, that it's not a good idea. They said, if you two are in the middle of a fitness plan together and you have both decided you're going to do this and you're checking up on her, to see if she's holding up her end of the like you know the agreement then that's all right but if you just come out of nowhere and ask that question that that's stupid and i would agree yeah, I mean, you know, you're getting yourself into a a a a, a minefield there. We stand him fat, and you know, you know what that's implying. You right. do like, don't pretend like, oh, it's an innocent question. I was just curious about, you know. Um, well, not only that, but you know who you're in a relationship with. So if they didn't work out last week, they're not working out this week, right? You can't just like bring that out of nowhere. Uh, if and, and they're right, if if this is some sort of like, if she works out all the time, and it's like, hey, have you gone to the gym yet today? Because if you haven't, I need you to stop at the laundromat on the way up. But those are just a different. Condition. Condition of just like walking up to your wife of like, hey, right. what are you doing about all this fat woman? Another question that is on the list of stupid questions to ask your wife. And I disagree with this one wholeheartedly. I think I think you have every right to ask this question. How much did that cost? Now, see, why is this? This is, again, another area in where I think women get an upper hand. Not that you shouldn't get upper hands in life. OK, but but hear me out. Again, and I'll always relate it back to this because this is when I get your husbands alone without you is on the golf course. Every guy I know that's married either A, has to beg his wife 
to buy more golf clubs, to buy a new golf club, or B, has to buy it and never tell her. I got a buddy who spent $400 on a driver last year, and he keeps it in his best friend's golf bag and never takes it home. Because if his wife sees it, she's going to flip her lid. And yet, women can go to the store and go shopping, and if you even question how much money they spent, they then turn it into this big argument about how dare you even question them. Where in, but if if the shoe's on the other foot, like they're they feel like they're the sheriff of the money. To me, this is all just where your finances are as a couple, because like, well, these people are married. Well, I'm saying if like, it, but if if you as a married couple are like, damn, dude, we can't even like, we can't, like we're struggling with the mortgage, we're struggling with this, we're like, like, uh, like our financial goals aren't being met, and you're frivolously spending money, then I can understand like, yo, how much did this cost? Yikes. Either either way, right there. Um, but if this is like, if this is you know, and I know it's dating different than married, but like, I'm not gonna ask my girlfriend like, oh, how much. Did that cost because she's spending her own money and her bills are paid? You know what I mean? Right. They say if you must ask this question, here's how you rephrase it. By starting out by saying it doesn't really matter, but, well, then it does matter. If you're asking the question, it's because it matters. Yeah, if you're already putting that on on it as a qualifier. You, then. you mean to tell me some guy's <laughs> dumb enough to be like, let me ask this this volatile question as like just like small talk? Yeah, no. I wonder how much this costs. If you're asking the question, it's because you're upset about the fact that you of what the answer could be. Yeah, now, and now when it comes to like big purchases, I mean like a car, a house, I mean you should be talking to your partner about yes. those things, but when it comes to like money out of your own pocket, I don't care as long as your bills are paid and we're okay. I mean, oh, dude, my dad bought my mom a car for Christmas one time, didn't tell her. She was pissed. For a woman that got a car for Christmas, she was pissed. And like I said, if that changes the entire financial plan of like, your year, oh, right? Like, hey, this is what we were working on, and now all of a sudden you throw me this curveball, I'd be upset too. She was so mad. He picked the wrong color too. She was oh, like, "Geez." He got her the same car he had because she liked his, right? And but he had like a you know a silver one with like this blue interior. It was like kind of sharp right. and that whole thing. And he bought her. I don't know why, but this brown color car. I mean, he was just. I mean, honestly, my dad, a smart man. That was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. And I remember I was like ten, and I was at the dealership with him. And I was like, "This isn't smart." Shaking his head. And I remember, I remember him turning around, looking at me, go, "Don't tell your mother." I'm like, "You don't want me to tell her because this is dumb." <laughs> That's why. That's why. Another question on the list of dumb questions to ask your wife: Do I have to go to your parents' house? That's a dumb question to ask your wife. If she's going to her parents' house, nine times out of ten, she wants you at her parents' house. Now, I think you both need to give each other that out occasionally. We're like, yeah, I, I get, get it. it. I, I get, get it. it. You stay don't want to come, stay home. I know I'll my say mom's you were busy. A bitch. I know. You know, I'll say you were busy. But you're right. Nine times out of ten, you have to be there, and you but, have to. You got to. You got to do it. But guys, here's what I will tell you. And this right now, women are gonna women are gonna celebrate right now when they hear me say this. But guys, here's why you gotta go. When she wants you to go, you got to go. And I have traditionally been really bad about this, about the compromise, about where I'll go. This, I have been traditionally bad about this in a relationship. And I learned this because I lost a woman I wish I didn't lose. But what happens when you don't go is then they are looked at as like, what's wrong with your relationship that he won't show up in these moments for you? Oh, 100%. That's, that's exactly what she's dealing with. So go more often than you don't to stop that conversation. That way, when you don't go, it's like, well, I mean, he was just here three times this right, last month. Right, it's right, fine, right, fine, right. all right, whatever. He's got a late work meeting. It happens. And then buy yourself the out by going. You know what I mean? Like, I learned that one the long way. 
or the hard way, I should say. Another stupid question is, do you feel like having sex? I don't think that's a stupid question at all. I think it's perfectly acceptable to inquire about that. They uh, they say dance around it, tiptoe around it a little bit more. If your partner's that sensitive, I worry. Well, I just think that if you... I mean, if, dude, you've been married 25 years. You can't just plainly say, hey, you kind of feeling that right now? If, I, that it, yeah, crazy. I mean, like, you should be able to be open with your partner sexually, and if you have a desire to do it... Seems crazy. But I just feel like if you just walk... If she's walking in through the through the door, like, Gross coming up with her hand, yeah, and you're okay. like, yeah, you feel like boning it out right now? <laughs> Yes. No, I don't. Are you PMSing? Another stupid question men can ask. And guys, if you don't know not to ask that by now, and here's another thing I'll tell you, and I think women will celebrate this too. Guys, you're married to her, have it clocked when the period is. Yeah, you haven't even figured that out. You don't know when that is. Like, you should know when that is by now. What's wrong is another question that they don't want to be asked, but yet you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. If she comes home and she's pissy and you don't ask her what's wrong, then you're just the insensitive jerk that doesn't even care about how I feel. And then, but if you do ask and then it's, you know what I mean? And then it's this big, you know, bees nest of a thing. And then the dumbest question they say you can ask a woman that you're married to is, do you really want to wear that? And yeah, that's dumb. That's dumb. You don't know. Do first of all, how long does it take them to get ready as it is. Unless you're going to be completely embarrassed standing next to her wearing what she's wearing, you really want to send her back in there for another 45 minutes of this doesn't look right and does this make me look fat? And now she feels bad about herself. Right. Now she feels ugly, so it, now everything, like, dude, she's not gonna, like he fantoed's right. No, he nailed it. He nailed it right here. You're sending her right back into that closet to, to, to feel like she looks good in none of that stuff, and so now you're never getting the Olive Garden genius. Way to go, dude. If you're hungry, just shut up and wait till she comes downstairs, get the keys, and put her in the car. It's not... Dude, people make women so much harder than they really are. Now, I say that, and I don't have one, so, <laughs> so maybe maybe I have zero clue what the hell I'm talking about. I have been on a uh, I have been on eating hi- uh, hiatus. I have changed my eating habits. I've been back at the gym. I've been doing all this stuff, and sure enough, a restaurant is about to cause me to massively break. I'll give you that next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. 710 will get you hooked up with $1,000. Also, uh, the Browns have some interesting things to say about who might be on their board at number one. I'll give you a hint. I would hate this pick at number one. So we'll give you that. 7 o'clock. Also get choked up at $1,000. I, uh, if you've been listening to the show for a while, that's been about two months now. I've been curtailing my, my food, been working out. It was actually, I dragged my ass to the gym yesterday. I didn't go until late. It was like 3 o'clock. And I was miserable, and I didn't want to be there at all, but I, I didn't want to not go, so I went. And then I was mad because I was like, dude, had you just came after work, you'd already be done with this by now. You wouldn't have to do it anymore. And, uh, and it, I was, I was miserable while working out yesterday. I didn't want to do it at all. And so there's just certain days where it's harder. Right. And the food is the most important thing. Like, dude, if you want to, like any good nutritionist will tell you that if you are trying to get in shape, that it is 90% diet, 90 it's dude, exercise is actually a very little bit of what you're doing. It's all about the food. And you got to cut your sugar. You got to cut your carb intake. You can't, can't eat after seven o'clock. You got to you, you got to be strict, and you got to drink a gallon of water a day. It's very it's a very intricate system. That but if you do it, it'll work. It will really work. But things constantly pop up that are designed to knock you off your miss, mission and are designed to get you to eat things. And it's not that hard because food ultimately is delicious. It is amazing how something that you know 
I shouldn't say not good for you, but something that you know may be a little indulgent is what I'll say is the word I'll use. Yeah, and I mean, you have to eat, so there's always that. You know you've eaten so many things in the past, you're like, well, this is behavior that I'm comfortable with, that I'm familiar with, and it, you know, there's very much the thought of... I can do this and go back to something. You yes. know what I mean? Like there's that temptation of like, all right, I can I can I can break a little bit here and then just go right back to it. It's not necessarily like cheating on your wife or if you do it one time she's going to be like, "All right, you're, you're gone. out of the house. You're gone. You can do it. You can flirt with something else and then come back." So Hopefully. most people, when they're on a system like this, what they'll do is they'll take it like a day a week and they'll make it like either a cheat meal or a cheat day. I-, I will tell you a cheat day is crazy. If you want to take one meal out of that day and eat something a little indulgent, that's probably all right. But if you're like, I'm taking Tuesday and doing whatever I want with it, then you just took Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at the gym and threw them right in the garbage can. Like that's just the reality of it. So I, I would tell you like one meal is probably all right. My old trainer used to tell me 90-10. He would say, Stansbury, give me 90% of the time, I want you eating exactly what you're supposed to eat. 10% of the time, kind of do what you want. All right? He's like, but you got to understand, then the next day in the gym, I need, dude, if it's normally an hour and a half you're there, I need three hours there. Like, you got to earn that food. You got to buy it from yourself. Right? And that's the hard part. And and it's, (laughs) dude, it sucks. And especially, dude, when restaurants, it's their whole it's their whole point of being in existence is to make something delicious and have you come and eat it. They're amazing at it. That's why they're in business, because they're so good at it. I love restaurants. And a restaurant that I'm a big, huge fan of is now getting ready to release something. I believe it's this week that it will be available for a limited time. And I got to tell you, Fantone, it's got me wanting to it's got me wanting to break. It's got me wanting to break the diet. Limited time only, too. You're going to have to act on it, dude. Don't uh, don't don't wait. Act, you know, buy today. So we all know chicken and waffles has gained a lot of popularity over the last like decade in this country, right? Um, I remember when I was in Atlanta, I went to I, I went to Gladys Knight's chicken and waffles restaurants. It was amazing. There's a chicken and waffles restaurant, and dude, it's in a place it, like literally in a location that we used to frequent on a regular basis. Oh, that's right. But it's never open. I don't know if it's closed now, if it's not, but it's got all the signs up there. It looks delicious. It's called Roxy's Chicken and Waffles at the corner of McKinley and Navarre. And I, I, every time I drive past it, I'm like, oh man, I want to go in there, but it's never open. This is nothing against Roxy's. Yeah. Nothing. I don't know, Roxy. The food could be the greatest thing in the world. And if you brought it to me here and it's good, I would eat it. I will never step foot in that building. In the corner of McKinley and Navarre. Ever again. Stansberry not going. Ever again. (laughs) I had a glass from the previous establishment that was in that place. They put a glass in front of me on the bar and it exploded. I had had my back turned to the bar and I was talking, having a conversation with somebody. And the glass just out of nowhere exploded. And nobody... Nobody was like, oh, hey, sorry, let's get this cleaned up for you. Nothing. It just went, dude, as a matter of fact, the dog came out from behind the back room, started licking all the booze off the floor after where the glass broke, and everybody just pretended like it was this normal thing, and I was like, you got to get me the hell out of here, dude. I'm out. Like, I, I was I was so done that day. So, dude, it feels good to be able to tell that story. Yeah, now. yeah let it out. Anyway, back to the restaurant. So Chicken and Waffles has taken off. So now Red Lobster wants to get in on the action, and this to me sounds delicious. At first, you're like, what? And what does Red Lobster have to do with this? They're going to do lobster and waffles, and they're going to give you their, their main lobster. All right. And the waffles then are going to be made from the batter, and this is where it gets really good, from their Cheddar Bay Biscuits. 
So uh, okay. You're getting a Cheddar Bay waffle and a little lobster to go on top of it. And okay. I guess they're actually giving you syrup, and it works, they say. Um, that's where I'm a little bit hesitant is introducing syrup and lobster. Um, now that it's, I know that it's the cheddar bay waffle. Okay. That yeah. makes a lot more sense. It than does just like, than like, than like, you know, Hey, here's the Aunt Jemima, you know, a waffle. Isn't it? I mean, a liquid butter might be the better way to go that's, here. That's what I was going to say is like, I don't know if I need syrup in that equation. You put butter on top of all of that and that's going to be great. That'll be phenomenal. I don't know if syrup doesn't work with lobster. It, it was one of those things where I would have looked at it weird with, with chicken at first too, but it's really it really works with chicken. The sweet and the savory, I understand and I'm not against it at all. And maybe I'm just looking at lobster as something like... This is fried lobster. They do kind of like fry the lobster and then kind of set it on top of it. Maybe I'm looking at it as like, well, lobster is kind of fancy and I don't necessarily want to like, you know, I don't want to like... Slee stack it up? Yeah. And like with chicken tenders, it's whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, chicken tenders, waffles, syrup, throw all that on there. To me, lobster's a little bit fancy, so I I think that's my, that's why I'm a little bit on it. Yeah, I I I will admit that a liquid, like a liquid butter, which they have, I mean, that's what they give you all the time. Right. That a little bit of that, like, you know, spread over might be the better way to go there. I am really interested to try this. I, um, dude, I like Red Lobster. Like, that's one of those places. That's a that's that's a chain restaurant. I'm like, yeah. Every time, like, a, you know, like a girlfriend or somebody's like, let's just go there. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Let, let let's go there. I could totally get down with some lobster and waffles. <sighs> somebody said to me yesterday, and I did. I asked somebody who who was trying to get you know back into working out. I said, did you work out today? And they said, no. I said, dude, you and I are both just fat. Let's just lean into it and let's just like let's just accept the fact that we're fat. And I was like, no, dude. I don't want to accept weakness from myself. Like, I don't want that. Like, I, I did once upon a time, but like I just I, I don't want it. But I, I haven't had a meal in a while. Like I haven't like broken the diet in a while. And Red Lobster, nice job, guys. You just pulled me right into one of your places, probably. This week, your shot at a thousand dollars is at seven o'clock on Rock 1069. Hope you boys brought popcorn. The Stansberry Show. Because I'm about to put on a show. Rock 1069. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 1069. You're minutes away now from getting hooked up with a thousand dollars. We'll give you a keyword, you'll text it in, you'll have more money than you had yesterday. A lot more money there. Stay up to date with everything we do online, wrqk.com, and via your smart speaker. Just say, Alexa, play Rock 1069. And then that way you can hear us via that as well. Brown's Hugh Jackson now says, will admit that he was not sure what to make of Baker Mayfield and all of his antics before the pre-draft process. But he had said yesterday that the Oklahoma product has flipped his bad boy script and has kept himself in the mix <laughs> for the number one pick. Did Hugh Jackson say he flipped the script? Flipped I mean, the bad boy script wow. and kept himself in the mix for number one. That's why, honestly, a lot of players like him because they say he speaks like their language. He okay. speaks like he speaks player. Okay. A lot of dude, a lot of players around the league. As a matter of fact, I remember when when we were all like, "Let's fire Hugh, fire Hugh, fire Hugh." Players all over the NFL were tweeting out, "Going, dude, what are you doing? Don't fire Hugh Jackson. That guy's great." That's got to be a real challenge for any coach. I would say, probably high school through you know professional there, where it's like you do have to find a way to relate to your players. Ask and any like high school teacher how hard that is, right? And as like you know, as 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 a person who I'm sure is at least in most cases a generation older than those said players. That does. I'm sure that has to be something where he's like, man, I got to keep up on the they new Cardi him. B record. You know, they love him. They say he understands, you know, that he understands that some of the stuff that looks 
wild to the outside eye is like, nah, dude, this is just young guys being young guys. And they say he gets it. Now, he goes on to say about Baker Mayfield, Hugh Jackson does, I think he's outstanding. I have a different appreciation for Baker. Spending that time with him, what a leader, tremendous person, he says. There is a young girl, Mackenzie Asher, that he spent some time with. That was a tragic story. I don't remember the Mackenzie Asher story. You'll have to excuse me. says, but I truly believe that's who Baker Mayfield is. He is an important person in the community. I think this must have been somebody who went some, through something and Baker was there Yeah, for I was going to say, I think if I remember correctly, it was she had cancer or like some childhood disease. And I think he like, you know, kind of like took her under his wing oh, and, you know. I didn't I know that story. Well, that, that is that is to be commended. I didn't know that story about Baker. Right. He says, I think he's important to his teammates. I kind of feel like he's the Pied Piper of Oklahoma football. That might be a little true about Oklahoma football recently. He says he was... a. Uh, Really impressed by what he saw at Oklahoma when the Browns traveled there Thursday to work out Mayfield privately. It says everything we saw kept him in the conversation along with Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and Josh Rosen for the number one or wherever the Browns pick between number one and number four. It says, I will share this with you. When we walked into the building, he made this sound. He just kind of came out of nowhere. He kind of went, he, he. All the players in the building started going and then repeating it. And here they go. It's the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen, said Jackson. That shows you something about what he means to young men and how he leads them, and that's who Baker Mayfield is. He's showing off the leadership skills, I guess, essentially by, you know, I, I get what he's saying there. If people follow your lead, you're a yeah. leader. You know what I mean? Like, that's, you know, and much like people, you know, will say, well, people will say, I'm a leader, and you have no followers. Well, you know what they call that? A guy taking a walk. You know what I mean? Like, if you can, if, if you do something and people do follow it, you are a leader. I am wildly hesitant on Baker Mayfield. I think when people say to me, he's a gamer. Colt McCoy was a gamer. All right? Just so, I mean, let's clear that up. Colt McCoy, gamer in, in college. Right? Vince Young, gamer. There can be gamers in college that are not pro. Now, we can go back and look, and look at, at Vince Young's career and say, well, he had Jeff Fisher. He's a defensive head coach. He didn't know how to work with quarterbacks. We now have proof with the Jared Goff situation. Okay, fine, I'll give you Vince Young. But if I went back and looked in the NFL, I could find 2,500 college quarterbacks that were great. Of course, circumstance plays a part in things, Look at Derek Carr's Uh, brother. uh, Yes, I mean, the situation you find yourself in in life or in the NFL is going to make a difference of your success. But at the end of the day, you can point at just countless, and I mean countless examples of dudes who are prolific uh, NCAA players who weren't able to translate it over into the NFL. It's a completely different game. you uh, you, You just can't point and say, like, well, you know, he was a winner. And it's like, well, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I will admit, and what people mean by that, I think, is he's got grit. And I will give you that. I will say Baker Mayfield stock to the rafters with the grit. I'm just not sh- I don't know. There's something. And I, here's the thing. I don't have a good reason. So if you say to me, Baker's the guy, I don't think he is. But I don't have a great argument as to why not. It's just a feeling I have. It's a, much like I have a gut feeling on Josh Rosen. I have said it from the beginning, and I, dude, I could be wildly wrong about this, and I won't even care. I think Josh Rosen is Jamarcus Russell. I think all the talents there got a cannon, can whip it anywhere you want, but the work ethic isn't, and he's not going to put the work in once he hits the pro level. He's going to get paid out, and it'll be, dude. I just think that kid's going to be a mess. I, 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 now I could be wrong. I'm a Darnold guy. That's who I want at one. 
I think it's Sam Darnold at one, Mika Fitzpatrick at four. I've been saying that for months. I'm not coming off of it. I think Saquon Barkley's a big pile of beware. I do. I think he's probably going to be good, but I don't think he's going to be as good as everybody thinks he is. He's not even a 30-down back. He's just not. That's not who the kid is, and that's what we would need. It's not who he is. So I am worried about Baker Mayfield at number one, but what I think is happening here, this is what I think is happening here. We now know the Giants want who they want. We also know that the Giants want to get rid of Odell Beckham Jr., or they're at least willing to get rid of Odell Beckham Jr. So I think what the Browns are doing here is being smart. I think they're driving up another person that they think that they may want and throwing people off the trail. I hope that's what they're doing here. I don't think there's any real chance they take Baker Mayfield at one. I, don't I feel think like so I feel either. like you have other options that are a step above. You know what I'm saying? I agree. You can you can point to Rosen and you can point to Darnold and you can say, well, who's really the best out of out of out of this? But I don't think Baker Mayfield makes his way into the equation. I don't He's either. one of those dudes, and I feel like I mean, if you're another team and there's a million of them in the NFL right now that need a quarterback. Roll the dice and get yourself Baker Mayfield. And that's one of those things where if somebody's like, yo, man, he's available at four, the Browns are really going to have to listen to offers of somebody like, all right, man, hey, we're, we're in on this. Yeah, You guys no, had a better were. option in front of you, but you know what? We're the Buffalo Bills or we're, or we're whoever, and we need to, 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 to roll these dice. The Browns are going to have the option, and he, that's where I see like Baker Mayfield's going to it is, at least, you know, make the Browns a little bit better in that, in that is that he's going to, he's going to make a team – you know, shoot, shoot their shot at. I, I would agree with that. And I, there's potential. He's a pretty good pro quarterback. People are saying, you know, weren't you saying yesterday completion percentage matters? Baker's was like 70%. Okay. Again, I, what did I say? I don't have a reason why I'm telling you not to take Baker Mayfield. It's just gut. It doesn't mean I'm right. Baker Mayfield might be the best quarterback out of all four. For all I know, I don't know, but there is something inside me telling me, nah, he ain't the guy. I don't know what it is, but if I were picking, now I'm not, but if I were picking, I would trust my gut in this scenario. I really would. And then I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure it's him. I actually believe the other rumors, which is that the Browns are in love with Josh Allen out of Wyoming and that that's why they brought you Tyrod Taylor. And that's why they brought you Drew Stanton. So Josh Allen, who they say needs two years probably before he's really ready that's why you go get him and you can sit him because you got Tyrod Taylor and Drew Stanton to play while, why jo- while Josh Allen gets ready. Now, the problem with that is if you go do that and you go get Odell this year, he's only got one year left on his contract and you're right there and now you got to go pay the kid next year if you want him there for Josh Allen to throw to. That's going to be a part of that variable. I don't know if they're really going to be in on the Odell Beckham Jr. lottery. I think there are a lot of teams that are going to pony up a lot of things to get Odell Beckham Jr. It might get to be too expensive. Um, As the Browns sit there, obviously smoke screening some things. I mean, you know, it's worth noting that general manager John Dorsey told a group of reporters yesterday that there is clarity in the decision. There's five weeks left until the draft, he said, but there's clarity in their decision what they're going to do with the number one. That was was John Dorsey yesterday. Hmm, I wonder what that means. I think they know what they're doing. I think they know it's Sam Darnold. I do. Really? You yeah. think it's Darnold? I do. I hope it is. I think he's probably the guy. I've said about it. About, now, again, this is where I was wrong. And this is how you know I'll, I'll always tell you the truth. I had told you I didn't think Sam Darnold was coming out this year, and people were steering him away from the Cleveland Browns because that's what we were hearing from other national media. And I had bought into that. 
And the kid, sure enough, came out when I said he wasn't going to. All the rumors from inside his family were, no, he loves playing at USC, wants to go back to USC, wants to be a college guy, wants to do the whole thing, and I bought into that. I was wrong on that. He's coming out, and he may end up being a Cleveland Brown, so I will end up being wildly wrong on that. More people who hold this position on TV and radio should do exactly what you just heard right there. But they don't. But they don't. That's how you know you can trust me. And that's how you can know I'm not out just to just to give you a side and just argue it until the death. I love saying when I'm wrong. I love being wrong. It means I learned something. I'm not afraid of that. I'm in the opinion business. I'm not afraid of my opinions coming back and not being accurate. When you're guessing at stuff, I'm perfectly fine being wrong. I'm perfectly okay with it. But I really do not like the idea of Baker Mayfield at number one, and I wish I had a better reason for you other than my gut says it's a bad idea. But that's where I'm at on it. I think it's Darnold at one, Mika Fitzpatrick at four. I've been on it for months, and I'm not coming off of it. We have Marilyn Manson tickets. We'll get you hooked up with those after giving you this $1,000 right now. Your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's money to 200-200. Rock. 106.9. The Stansberry Show. All right. I like it. I like it a lot. Rock 6.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. We're online for WRQK.com. We're talking about the Browns, who they're going to take at number one there. Uh, people saying, you know, he was saying Baker Mayfield's still in the mix. However, most people think it's going to be Sam Darnold. The audience asking me, what do you think of the new hit rule that the NFL put for? And I'll be honest with you, I have not read enough about it. So I didn't want to get into it this early into the program and, the, you know, and give you half of an opinion. If I get a chance to read a little bit more on it throughout today's program, we'll address it before the end of the day. If not, we'll get into it tomorrow. Um, but my guess is, without having read it, without reading what, what's going on, is that the NFL is just doing whatever they can to stop the, the amount of column inches that are spent on the fact that their game is super dangerous. So uh, ultimately, I believe my opinion will be is that what do you think they were going to have to do? They were going to have to do something to get the, the negative writing to stop. It's just, dude, there's a, there's a war against the NFL in media, and I, I think they're going to have to do what they have to do to get that to not be true. Another thing being fought in the media right now is gun control and what we're going to do on that. The March of Our Lives protests were really big over this last weekend. As a matter of fact, we had one here on Market Square. Um, Fantone and I both went and saw it and you know took a stroll through it and the like. And there is a band I love who went through a mass shooting scenario where they were the victims of a mass shooting. Now they survived, but people in the audience did not. And Jesse Hughes is the lead singer of the Eagles of death metal, a self described playful cat. He likes to be pet. He's one of those guys. He says, right. Um, And he's got a completely different view than what we're being sold in the media as the right response to gun violence in this country. Now, it should be pointed out that they were the victims of a mass shooting in France, not America. But Jesse Hughes, lead singer of the Eagles of Death Metal, points out that France's gun control laws didn't protect his band and didn't protect his audience. And that's his take. He also went on to his Instagram post and said this, We're going to denigrate the memory 
and curse ourselves by exploiting the death of 16 of our fellow students for a few Facebook likes and some media attention. Now, I'll, he's got more to say here, and, we'll, and I am going to address what he says. But I want to stop right here because I've seen a lot of other people doing this. A lot of other people going on Facebook and saying, you know, you're, you're actually, you know, you're treating the memory of these people wrongly, but, but by, by using them to do this and do that. And I have not liked people saying that on Facebook because I feel like the people now full disclosure, I feel like the people I've seen saying that on Facebook are pro gun people who just don't want to have any part of the conversation about what may need to happen with guns or gun control in this country. Now, that could just be the sample size that I'm being. I'm just telling you about my reaction to people that I read. Okay, but I do take this more seriously coming from a guy who was a victim of this. See, now when there's a victim of something like this who had been targeted sort of in a roundabout way through this and he has this opinion now to me. That's more valid than my neighbor. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, almost ridiculous to think that, you know, when you look at people, survivors of mass, you know, shootings and things of, of that nature, that's a very big group of people. And to ever think that one person or one side is going to encompass uh, though the, that many people is kind of crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, of course, there's going to be, you know, in a sample size that big, of course, there's going to be people who are like, this is what we should do. And there's going to be people on the other side who think that you should do something else just because you went through this doesn't necessarily mean you're going to change how you feel about something. I guess not. I, guess, I, I think it would for a lot of people, but I guess it would not change it for everybody. He dismissed, Jesse Hughes did, their demands for legislative action on guns as simplistic. He says it's simplistic writing. He says this almost sounds like the plan of a kid, maybe a high school student, he continued. Oh, wait, that's right. He says the Whitney Houston song about letting the children lead the way wasn't actually an operating paradigm for life. Hughes then said what, what the... That when the truth didn't fit their their effing narrative, that the students held their breath and stamped their feet and refused to accept it. Then they took multiple days off of school playing hooky at the expense of a 16-year-old classmate's blood. It might be funny if it wasn't so pathetic and disgusting, he says. Hughes continued, as the survivor of a mass shooting, I can tell you from firsthand experience that all of your protesting and taking days off from school insults the memory of those who were killed and abuse and insult me and every other lover of liberty by your actions. Wow. He ended with an actual curse. May everyone of these disgusting, vile abusers of the dead live as long as possible so they can have the maximum amount of time to endure their shame and be cursed. Wow. Hughes has previously stated that gun control is not the answer and that his own experience in Paris had validated his views. In February of 2016, he told French television station, until nobody has guns, everybody has to have them. During the same interview, he asked the reporter, do your French gun control stop a single effing person from dying at Bataclan, which is the, which is the club they were playing when that attack happened? I may have mispronounced the name of that club. I apologize if that's happened. I don't remember the exact pronunciation of that. But this is interesting to me because, like I said, when I first saw it, I was like, when I first saw other people do this, I was like, nah, dude, I don't know if you really feel like it's disrespectful to the memory of those kids. You just don't want their side of the argument to be right. But somebody who's been through this, who had a very intimate 
thing happened. As a matter of fact, there was a documentary done about that tragedy, and they went back to the club and played later, and they invited everybody who was there who survived, and it was a very real thing that affected this band. And I think it's interesting, dude, for somebody who, because everybody always says this, all you pro-Second Amendment people, what if somebody you knew, what if somebody you were related to, what if somebody, and it's like, well, here is a guy who kind of went through this. And yet he's telling you that what you're doing isn't going to solve what you think it's going to solve. Now, again, I have said from the beginning, I don't think more gun control stops gun violence. I really don't. Now, at the end of the day, like, yes, and his voice is, I think, supposed to be heard. And I think it should be a part of the dialogue. But, like, you know, it's just like just because he's gone through this doesn't make him right the same way it doesn't make her right. Yeah, but no, but the difference is is that these kids that they're putting on TV like David Hogue and Emma Gonzalez, we're being sold that they are right though. We are being sold that they're right and that the other side is wrong. That's what makes what Jesse Hughes saying so important is that a guy that went through this is saying, no, this is not right. And yet the news and everybody gets obsessed with the amount of people in the street. We're being sold that what they're doing is just and that what every and that people that disagree with it are unjust. We are sold it that way. It is being packaged and driven down your throat that way. And I felt that this was interesting, too, when I read this this morning, that Barack Obama had been the president during some of the biggest gun violence issues this country has ever seen. Where was the march on Washington then? Why was it not Barack Obama's fault? Why are we being sold that this is this administration's responsibility to get this done? There was no marches on Washington during Barack Obama's stint as president. You didn't want to make this Barack Obama's problem. Why is it now when you had a president who felt this way about guns, made no action on it, why, why do you not hold your president's feet to the fire over inaction, yet we are going to do it for this president? Is it because you dislike this one more? The answer to that question is, of course, yes. Why was there no orchestrated march on Washington for Barack Obama over this? It's because they didn't want to remove Barack Obama from power. Because liberals loved him. You loved him. Although on this particular issue, did zero for you. Although, campaigned on it. Is it fair to look at that and say that, hey, that's a shortcoming that I feel? And like, you know, I, yes, if I had a time machine and I could I could really go back and I'd like, yeah, that would be great. Except what they do is they carry pictures of Barack Obama to these marches and say eight more years. When in reality, dude, where was your march then? He had been president during, I think, the, the, the biggest amount of school shootings we had ever had. He was president during all of them. Where was your march? This is about the president. This is not necessarily about the guns. It's part of it, and they know it's going to get the column inches. But this is about the president. We don't like him, so we're going to march on it, and we're going to look to we're going to look to decrease that power. You had plenty of time to do this over the eight years we had the other guy, and you didn't do it. So if it wasn't as serious of an issue for that president, why is it ultimately, why is this now Donald Trump's fault is what I'm asking. As a guy who did not vote for him, voted for Obama twice and for a Hillary Clinton in the last election, why is this the president's fault? The answer, of course, America, is that it's not. That it isn't. But we are being sold that. It is being packaged that way as that this is a just cause. When And again, this is why I feel like it's important for people like me who lean left, who watch this party being dragged to the lunacy place, have to stand up and say, what are you doing? What are you doing? Now, I believe we should have an open, 
honest conversation about weaponry in this country and uh, guns in this country. And that it's probably time to have a discussion and talk about maybe where we can meet in the middle. Is it bump stocks? Fine. Take them off the shelf. If that's where it's going to be, fine. But ultimately, at the end of the day, dude, you as an American citizen have the right to own a gun. You do. Whether that's this gun, that gun, that gun, that that's longer conversations. But pretending that this march, he's right. This guy from Eagles of Death Metal is totally right. That gun control in France did nothing. Nothing. So that right there tells you what will happen if you expand this out. It's really not going to do that much. It's not going to do as much as we think it is. And to make this President Trump's problem is completely, honestly, it's a little disrespectful. When you could have done it the other way and you didn't. Because what you didn't want to do that eight years was expose that our great Democratic president was doing nothing. We didn't want to expose that because we loved Barack. He was good. He cared about us. So we didn't want to expose anything that put him in a negative light. But this is it right here, guys. This is it. Why do you think those kids were organized and told to march where they marched? Because of who's in charge, not because of this issue. Jesse Hughes is right about this. 100% 100% right. Your shot at Marilyn Manson tickets and Rob Zombie tickets are next on Rock 106.9. Dan Stansberry and his boy wonder Matt Fantone. At last, two heroes. The Stansberry Show. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Online for you, WRQK.com. At 810, you're getting hooked up with $1,000. Part of our $480,000 giveaway. Peace. Actually, it's payday for us in a couple of days. That'd be pretty good. Looking forward. Somebody who has put together a list of the best road trip songs ever, they claim. All right. It's available for you at WRQK.com. There's 10 here. And I now it should be pointed out. This was posted in the Stansbury Show section of WRQK.com. However, I did not put this list together. Bohemian Rhapsody came in as the number one best in-car sing-along. Oh, okay. So not necessarily road trips. It's like best in-car sing-along songs. Bohemian Rhapsody was the number. I'll I'll spoil it for you. It's number one. Would this song have ever been the sing-along anthem that it has become without Wayne's World? No. Because I feel like that's really where this song like... I feel like it was... Now, well, I, you could make the argument that that's why they did it. It's because right. they, that's what people do in the car with it, right? I mean, you can make that argument, but did it make more people think about it that way, do it, and every time you hear it in the car, you go to that because Wayne and Garth? Yes, I yeah, think is the answer. I, I mean, hit song well before it. Yes. I'm not denying that. It just it, it very much feels like you almost have to do it when you hear you, it. That's true. That Then that scene in that movie definitely did that. And it's probably... I, all right. I think the best way to answer your question is to say I believe Bohemian Rhapsody would have been on the list either way. I believe it's number one because of said movie. Yes. That I think Wayne's World definitely did that. Um, I'm trying to think of like great songs in the... And I have always said, like when I was the music director of MMS back in the day, when the, when the, when the label would send me music, I did two things with it. I never listened to it in my office, ever. Because I was like, this does, that doesn't matter. I, I would I would put myself in rush hour situations and I would listen to it in the car because that's how people listen to the radio. 
So if I felt like it was a hit in my car, it was a hit, and we should probably put it on the air. My second rule of thumb was I took it to Diamonds, gave it to the DJ, and if the chicks like to dance to it, hit, put it on the radio. Those were my two systems, and it worked massively. Worked. And so the car is a great testing ground for music. I'm trying to think, like, you know, like Twilight Zone by Golden Earrings, one of those songs that I like it more when I'm in the car. Lunatic Fringe by Red Rider is a song I like more in the car. It's those choruses, for some reason, work in the car. Um, I, and I, dude, I need music in the car. I'm a big music in the car person. What else is on that list? What else you got on there? All right, you want the top five? Sure, let's see what I mean. Let's, let's see what they were. Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Makes sense. Great, great chant song. Number four was Dancing Queen by ABBA. Okay. I don't know if that's going to make mine, but okay. I love ABBA. Like, I love ABBA. ABBA's greatest hits? Love it. Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond. Yeah. Again, the ballpark probably had something to do with that. That kind of helps that that whole thing. But it is. It's a chanty type song. You can't help but sing it. Living on a Prayer. Number two by yeah. Bon Jovi. Yeah, I mean... I, I, yeah, I mean, you, you got to sing it. You do. You got to sing it. Yeah, I mean, and when it comes to like, is this going to get the you know the crowd singing along? Those songs all make perfect sense. I'll tell you one that I'm surprised isn't on the list anywhere. Not even in the top ten. What's that? Smells like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. That's a chorus you got to belt out when you hear it. I'm surprised that wasn't on the list. Coming in at number ten, Eye of the Tiger by Survivor, which I think is weird because how often is that really on? Like, even though we play anything station, don't really play Eye of the Tiger that much, right? Do they? Uh, dude, I bet you it's in, 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 in still daily rotation at, like, My 1017, I'm sure. I'm sure they get played every day. Oh, the audience on the Friends in Low Places by, uh, by Garth. That's a good. sing-along That's jam a sing-along right there. That's a sing-along in a car for sure. Yeah, you're absolutely right you're going to sing along with that. That's true. I have made some people angry about my gun control argument. Sydney okay. said, I thought I was listening to Stansbury this morning, but it turns out just Rush Limbaugh, just a guy screaming at his listeners. No thanks. No, Sydney, what the difference is here is you just disagree with me because I said Barack Obama should have been held accountable for this the way people are trying to hold President Trump accountable for it. And your liberal punk ass can't handle that. Can't handle saying we didn't hold our guy responsible the way we should have. And we know we didn't. And you're just mad because I'm not going along because I'm a a left-leaning person and I'm not going along with the rhetoric that now you're unhappy. Are you agreeing that there should be accountability there, or are you saying that neither pe- person should be held I'm not sure it's the president's accountability. Okay. Okay? And, and what I, all I am saying is that the reason why the marches are happening is because of who's in charge, and that the march did not happen when Barack Obama was in charge because he was the one in charge. That, that, is, it, is, that it is orchestrated. That we are now selling this as is a just cause because we don't like who's in charge. And I'm sorry. Even though I voted for the other person and I lost this election doesn't mean I'm just going to go along with craziness. So, Sydney, if you're out, you're out. And this is what I always say to people who, are, who tell me that they're, that they're out. That if this was going to send you out, something sooner or later was going to send you out. It's just the way it is. And, Sydney, what I'll tell you is most of the people who listen to this show in the Canton area lean conservative, and they listen every day even though I don't. So, as so, you know what? Maybe they're a little right with the snowflake argument. Maybe just a little. 
Maybe just a little, because they come back every day. They hear us jump up and down on the president all the time, and yet they come back every day. So, Sydney, what are you saying? They're more resilient than you? They can handle more than you can? I'm sorry. You can't handle somebody that doesn't go along with, with whatever the New York Post says, whatever the Washington Post says. I don't just swallow the liberal lie. I don't just do it because that's the way I lean. Then you know what? Then I want you out, Sydney. Then go. See ya. We're going to send you to see Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie. That shows July 17th. Blossom Music Center. We'll take caller 17 right now. 1-800-243-7625 on those and get you hooked up with $1,000 next on Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Dude, I got blocked by Sydney. She's done. She's done forever. She's mad because I tweeted back at her and I said, see ya in my tweet. She's like, oh, you're just going to dismiss your audience like you don't care about us? Nice try, Sydney. The people who listen daily know damn well I care about them. The people who meet me in public know damn well I care about them. What I don't care about is people trying to back me into a corner to, to, to program the show that they wish that they were getting, which is just saying everything you agree with. I don't care about people threatening me to leave me over that. I don't. I, I never will. Because if I did, the show wouldn't be any good. That if I programmed it that way, it would not be worth listening to. That I gotta go with what I know is right, whether it's going to upset some people or not, whether it's gonna ruffle ruffle feathers or not. I'm real, dude, and when I see see an issue on either side, I'm gonna say it. That's who I am. I'm not gonna stop being that to, to protect the feelings of a woman who in her byline on her Twitter account says she's a comedian, yet you can't handle conversation. Good luck being a comedian, Sydney. Good luck with that. Another guy's calling me Alex Jones. You, I'll, I'll tell you what. The podcast is online for you at WRQK.com. You go find me anything that I floated that's a conspiracy theory. You go find it. Play me the audio. Show it to me. It's not there. Just so you know. We did have a chance to look into the NFL's new, uh, new hit rule. And I believe that this is all about reducing the column inches that are written about, you know, head trauma. And they're and ultimately, they probably are trying to make sure, guys, you know, that there's less injuries. They want the players on the field because that's how the games are watchable, right? So the NFL took a step, I guess. In combating concussions and enhancing player safety, Phantom, they did this uh, yesterday. It is now a foul penalty if a player lowers his head to initiate and make contact with his helmet against his opponent. Now, that foul will result in a 15-yard penalty, and whoever commits the penalty could face disqualification from the game. If it's a defensive player, it can result... Oh, I'm sorry. No, it will result in an automatic first down for the offense, which I think is a mistake. I think that part's too far. Now, isn't that how you tackle... You played high school football. Do you not lean over at the waist? So then leaning with the helmet, essentially, then, too, because you can't lean over at the waist without your head moving forward. Well, I mean, you're still having your head up. And then wrap around said waist? Yeah, but, I mean, when you're making that contact, I think that's where, like, you can't lower the helmet. Well, you can't lower your head into it. Like, you you have your head up there. So, all right, this is tough for people listening on the radio because you can't see me right now. But as I'm standing up, so I'm, I, so then I'm there's this chair is who I'm tackling. Okay. All right. So then, if I lean like this, 
and my head's right where I'm at. If so you're, if you're, yeah, and your head's where it is. It's still above my shoulders. Right, you're not lowering your head. I'm into not lowering it. The, ne- the, the 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 actual neck and head portion. Okay, all right. I mean, it seems. I I thought that was. I'm. I'm I guess I don't know the NFL rules that well. I thought that was the rule. This is definitely going to be one of those things, and I know they change with uh, with what's considered a catch or not. Um, NFL very quick to change its rules. This is going to be one of those things that for the first eight weeks of the season, minimum, guys are going to be like, I don't know what's catch. I don't know what's a hit. I don't know what's legal. I don't know. You know, this is going to cause, even though I feel like it's well-intentioned, this is going to cause a big, for at least the, the, the opening of the season, it's going to be a point of contention for sure. Yeah, I think this is going to be a problem for them. I think this has got a lot, like, much, yeah, like you're saying, like the catch rule. It's like, well, what is this? Is it, I, I, this is, to me, it's a little too confusing because now aren't we just going to have the referees in another position where it's like their judgment versus like what's able to be like seen? Um, at least the complaint that I'm seeing here um, is that you know when 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 you were calling guys for leading with their helmets or making contact with their heads, um, that was usually a situational thing. This is a much more broad across the board. Like if you do this, regardless what the context was, this is going to be a penalty. So it's a little less out of the hands of the referee in their opinion, uh, okay. and it's more so like no, if we see this, we are immediately throwing the flag. All right. I uh, I don't like the automatic first down if it's a de- if if it's a defensive player that does it. I I get that offense is what sells tickets. It's touchdowns that sells tickets. It's what drives ratings. I get that, and you do need a more offensive game. So I understand curtailing the game to lean more offensive. I get that. I do. I really do. But like, much like I, dude, you know the rule in the NFL I hate is the pass interference penalty. I hate that penalty. If I'm if we're on the 40-yard line and you run like a route and and I throw you the ball and you're at the 10-yard line and you get interfered with, we get the ball on the 10-yard line. That's crazy. Cuz what's to stop me from just every play then throwing it up there and then throwing a ball where guys and you just taking the gamble that there's going to be a pa- cuz the pass interference is so I, that's the rule that needs change. That needs to be a 15-yard penalty max pass interference, not spot of the foul. That's crazy. And I don't like the automatic first down because, dude, guys on defense, it's just like, dude, there's nothing you can do anymore. You're not allowed contact. You're not allowed to hit. You're not allowed to lean. Like, at what point do we just start playing flag football? Like, I hate to be one of those guys. Like, these sissies. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But, like, I understand there's negative connotations to the game right now because of concussions, but come on. And this was all brought on by a study that showed an increase of helmet to uh, helmet helmet contact. There, not necessarily helmet to helmet, but helmet you know helmet contact with other players, helmet contact with the ground. And I think that's and like you said, this is them just trying to be in front of that issue yeah, where it's like I we think so. we have to look like we're doing something here. Jeremy's telling me it's eyes through the thigh, head in front of the runner. That sounds like a coach has screamed that at, at people. I didn't play organized football, so like I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you you do. You're supposed to keep your head up. You're supposed to be able to see what you're going for there, what you're hitting there. Okay. All right. I mean, they got to do something. They have to. There's, there's just... 
there's so many people looking to knock the, the NFL off. And personally, behind closed doors, here's a conspiracy theory. Here's a little Alex Jones for you. I believe some other sports are responsible for that. I think other sports and people inside of them, like baseball and like football, or I'm sorry, not football, but basketball, are helping drive those things. I, I, I believe the media that covers baseball is helping drive the NFL is bad. As far as the new catch rule goes, um, you no longer have to maintain control of the ball throughout the process of going to the ground. It's a three-step process. The receiver must control the ball, okay. establish himself in bounds, and perform a football move such as taking a third step or, bring, or, or bringing the ball in. So not all the way to the ground. So you like once you don't have to it, once you hit the ground and you've already made that football move whether it's pulling it in or whatever third step you, right once you've hit the ground there the, the it's it's not going to continue at that moment you so, don't have to contain you don't have to keep it with you as as soon as you hit the ground there that's the down all right so I want to make sure I understand this properly so then I'm gonna stop then seeing replay videos of footballs moving around in a guy's arm as he's hitting the ground. That they're looking to get rid of that. That is what okay. they're looking to get rid of. That I don't hate. That sounds like a. That sounds like that might end up being good. In, in the Steelers game this past playoffs against the Patriots, yes, that one was bad. Right, Jesse James. Um, the they it got ruled as an incompletion because it didn't survive the ground, and I think a lot of people you know have had problem with that. And good, I mean that that makes sense to me. Uh, Keith says my my idea for pass interference is actually wrong because if pass interference is only a 15 yard penalty, then anybody who gets beat would just tackle the receiver. See what I'm saying? Before the ball, you know, yeah. what I mean? before the ball is on you, he's a get a 15 yard penalty versus getting burned for an 80 yard touchdown. All right, Keith, that's a good that good that that's that's a good observation there and a major loophole of my idea to fix pass interference. I just think spot of the fouls too easy. And I think it just moves the ball down the field too far, and you're putting defenses way against themselves there. And it's just, I, I don't know, I, I just, there's something about that that just seems unfair. And you know me, guys, I hate the word unfair. But that seems unfair to do to the defense. I don't know, they're going to have to do something with pass interference. But Keith is right, that, is, that would be a pretty wild loophole in my idea. Oh my God, Fantone sent me an email yesterday surrounding Easter and some of these things that people don't know about Easter that I think is going to blow a ton of you away. You'll get that after getting hooked up at this $1,000 right now. Your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. Rock. 1069. Rock 1069. Welcome back to the Sansbury Show on Rock 1069, also online for you, WRKK.com. It can be heard via your smart speaker. Just say, Alexa, play Rock 1069, or Google, play Rock 1069, and that's how you get that done. Fantone sent me this yesterday, and I'm not shocked by it. I want to be shocked by this. I wish I were shocked by it. But I'm not, and it's because, well, I think I have a bead on who people are. All right. But apparently we have to have a conversation about the role of the Easter Bunny. Because, and I don't even know where this started, because we have made the bunny like the icon of Easter. Right. And that we do, I don't know, Easter eggs for 
some reason. I don't know what I don't know what that's about either. Like I really don't know where that came from. There is an alarming number of people that believe bunnies actually lay eggs. <sighs> now, this is being this is according to Google AdWords. Okay? The phrases do bunnies lay eggs and do rabbits lay eggs each receive between 1,000 and 10,000 average monthly searches. Well, I mean, it's a 9,000 discrepancy, but okay. But between 1,000 and 10,000 average monthly searches. Now, what I think part of that is, although I guess it doesn't matter, because I'm guessing how part of that happens is Fantone says to me, bunnies do lay eggs. And I go, no, they don't, idiot. And I pull it up on Google and show you that you're wrong, right? Yeah. So, like, I'm sure that's, a, but it's still, it, it that had to happen for somebody. So that's no different than them searching it. Thousands of times a month. You know what I mean? Like, yes, at the end of the day, are you going to be able to look at, you know, all of Google's search engine history and be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. But literally thousands of times a month. If it's once, I get it. Maybe it's a seven-year-old. You know what I mean? And maybe right. they don't understand, but thousands of times a month, uh, dude, people uh, just have a fundamental misunderstanding of like how things work in the world. I, I genuinely believe that. It's a little sad that people believe bunnies, that this many people would believe bunnies lay eggs. I understand like a kid, like I understand how a five-year-old doesn't know that, like, you know what I mean? But it's just, dude. But again, I remember back in the day, there was another one of these where like a surprising amount of people thought that like humans rode dinosaurs, like that, 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 like we were just like, like had them as our pets and we rode them around where the eggs and the rabbits both become a part of Easter is what I'm reading here. Um, these are s- symbols of rising fertility on the earth. Like, you know, Hey, everything's blossoming, blooming and bunnies and birds both tend to have their litters, have their eggs, have their kids okay. early spring. So that's kind of how it like all became. And like, I, I like, I understand being confused about that, but like at the end of the day, you know, rabbits are warm blooded creatures, right? I mean, like you understand do, they're different yeah. than birds. They're different than reptiles. Like uh, how, how could you, how could you think okay, that? Okay, dude, you say that I'm telling you, I think the the amount of people who are listening right now, who heard you say that, that don't know that, I think would blow you over. Then I guess at this point, it's like, how, how can I look at society and like trust it? I guess you like, can't. how can this but, is like, what I'm always saying? You can't how, like, 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 okay. But like, we're going to get our opinions from somewhere. And it's like, if you genuinely, I, it's one of those things that to me, it almost feels like a non-starter. Like, I don't care what else you say. If you think rabbits have eggs, at that point, it's just kind of like I don't care what you think. At that point, you're any any other any other point you have almost becomes invalid to me. Where it's like, dude, well. you, don't, you don't understand that. I'm not saying everything that comes out of your mouth is wrong. It's just I need another source for it. If you're gonna sit here and you're gonna tell me, hey, this is what should happen with tariffs, and then you don't understand the difference that rabbits don't have eggs. I'm sorry. Whatever you say after that point, I'm no longer listening. Oh, needing a second check. From that person, if that's what they believe on something else, that I'm okay. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm okay with I'm, that. I'm no longer listening to what you have to say if, if that's genuinely where you sit right now. Give me the baseline. I, I need a better baseline of that. So, but what I mean is, give me an even simpler like question than bunnies don't lay eggs, where it's like, dude, if you can't at least get here, 
I think Flat Earth is definitely Flat Earth is fl- one of flat, them. Flat Earth is definitely one of them. Yes. Uh, the age of the planet. If you're one of those people who think, "Wow, the planet's only six thousand years old and dinosaurs like weren't real," that's an issue for me. Where it's like, no, you can't. I'm I'm not going to I'm not going See, to buy into you. Then. This is where my upbringing gets really really hard, right? Because I was raised by a minister who did not believe. Literally, in a literal interpretation of the Bible, believe that they were a collection of parables to teach you the way to live your life. But then I guess he did believe Jesus died for my sins, though. Like, he drilled that one pretty hard. So, like, there are a lot of people in, in religious circles who don't believe that the world is that is that old, which I don't understand that. Yeah, I can't. I, I'm sorry. I can't get it. I can. I can wrap my head around you having faith in something. I can wrap my head around you believing in Jesus as as the Son of God. Um, I I can't wrap my head around. I can't. If, if you're telling me the world's only six thousand years old, that's yeah, if the that world's flat or rabbits have have eggs. I've had so many problems with this turning into an adult and in my adult life because I think you can tell by listening to the show. I respect my father a great deal, right? And yet, this was always one of these places with him where I was just like, dude, you're buying this? <laughs> like, dude, I tell people you're smart, dude. Like, what are you doing? Now, uh, you but know. What my mom would tell you now is, is my mom would tell you that, Daniel, you don't know where your father's life was before he became a minister. And that it was actually the birth of you that made him look at the world differently and recognized after the birth of you that he needed salvation, not necessarily from like damnation, but needed salvation from like the fact that he was living his life wrong, was drinking, was doing drugs, was running around, doing things he shouldn't have been doing. And that even though my mom had already had my brother and he married her and he had had that son, that when his son was born, that it kind of shook him in a level that, you know, just, you know, marrying it into it, you know, an adopted son did not. And that he was looking for something through that. And that's how he kind of came to the religion and that he probably got maybe sucked up in a little bit of it. And I always say this in the 80s, there was hysteria and like so things he didn't necessarily believe my brother and I were not allowed to take part in because of what his congregation was going to think. So I've always had issues with this because I have in my life, having been taught so many things from the Bible my entire life, where now as an adult, sometimes I have to go, all right, do I just think that because I was taught that at my dinner table or is that real? And that's part of the problem there is when you do get sucked up into that hysteria and you do have to be like, all right, well, I got to go with, I got to go with what people want me to go with here. You are left with like, well, what did you really mean by this? Did you genuinely believe in this or was this just because you had to believe in this? And I, I think that I think that's a real problem for a lot of religious families. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, it really is. That's why. You, and again, like he would tell me like because I would say we would argue at the dinner table constantly. And I would say, you mean to tell me this? And I would pull some like abstract thing from the Bible. And he would say, yeah, Daniel, of course. But what this is there to do is designed to teach you again. Like, I'll give you the perfect example out of the Bible. It's the one that drives me crazy. And I talk about it a lot. It's when I hear people say money's the root of all evil. No, it isn't. For the love of money is the root of all evil. That's the goddamn quote, because it's to teach you that the evil lives in you, that the object cannot be evil, but the evil lives in you and you are to fight against you. And so, like, that's what he would say to me. He's like, look, these are things to teach you about the pitfalls of what it's like to be alive and go through it. But there have been times in my life where I have had to legitimately question things and think to myself, like, okay, is that just one of those crazy things my religious weirdo parents taught me? Or, like, is this legitimately how it is? But it is a little alarming, I guess, 
to find out that that many people don't understand bunnies laying eggs. But wait a minute. Let me ask you this question before we get off this. All right. If you're a kid growing up in America, you're probably not paying attention to science class as much as you are to advertisement on store windows. Okay. And what do you see on the store window? Bunny with eggs. I mean, right? Like, so yeah. on some level as a kid, aren't you like, well, why are all these adults lying to me, man? If, 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 if you can show me that these 10,000 Google searches a month are nine-year-olds, okay, we're good. We don't have to talk about this anymore, but I refuse to believe that. There was an, there, I'll give you another one of these examples from when I was a kid, actually. I remember walking into the store with my dad. And there was an advertisement on, like a, you know, on a poster board walking into the store. And a word was spelled wrong. And I remember saying to him, I'm like, that's wrong. That's spelled wrong. And my dad saying to me, yeah, sometimes you will see advertising do that to draw your attention to it. And I forget what the word was, but it was one of these things like we constantly do, like we'll constantly change. And I remember saying to him, it was like six years old. Well, that's pretty dangerous. Aren't people stupid? Aren't people going to then just learn to spell it that way? And aren't we going to have a nation full of people too stupid? And isn't everyone going to look at you like you're stupid? You know what I'm saying? Like at that point, like a little bit. Right. And so I was just like, I don't think we should be able to do that. That's deceiving. And we're we're teaching people how to spell words wrong, that there's a little bit of that in this. But I can't excuse you for thinking bunnies lay eggs. Somebody's telling me here that people actually think that some people believe chocolate milk comes from brown cows. That's not true. They do. Sure. I do. Come on now. I guarantee you. Now, are we going to talk about like, well, we'll break down of the numbers, is it? Sure. But I'm telling you at the end of the day, there are people who, who, do, who do think that. I'm 100% confident in that. Thank you. Because that's how I got where I am. <laughs> Thank you by not believing stuff like that. I appreciate every last one of you that thinks chocolate milk comes from brown cows. You guys are the best. I love this job, and I wouldn't want to have to give it to anybody else. More Stansberry Show right around the corner. You guys hang on. The Stansberry Show. I have got to get in on this. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show on Rock 106.9. I got to shout out a dude, a good buddy of mine. Client of the radio station, Craig Wakeham, who's listening via iHeartRadio. Now he's on top of a mountain in Colorado. He's like, dude, I've been listening to the show all morning while I'm skiing, man. Jeez. Sucks to be you. You're stuck at work. I'm skiing. Yeah, that must be nice. Thanks for the invite to Colorado, dude. I appreciate it. Just kidding. I can't ski to save my life. Dude, do you know how to ski? I do not, dude. I'm not a winter sports person. You strike me as a, a as a, uh, I'm surprised. I'm you a skier. I, w- I would have viewed you as the kid growing up in high school who had the ski pass hanging from the zipper of his jacket. Those kids ski, you know, ski club. Not even remotely. No? Like never. No. I, I had you as a ski club kid. I didn't know. I have. Uh, I tried snowboarding a handful of times. Like there was like two years where I was like, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna get into it. And I can't do it. Like there's something about the stopping that my body just won't do. And I've got two speeds: incredibly way too fast or crash. I, I just never, I never That's felt it. a desire to do it. Like I never felt like the man. That looks like something I would really enjoy. Oh, the rush of snowboarding is awesome. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, going fast and like having that would be cool. But like, I don't know. It never, like, it's it never was something hobby. I wanted to do. Skiing, snowboarding, expensive hobby. Um, it's a lot of fun. But dude, I uh, we went to Peak and Peak in New York once, and I ran a lady over at the bottom of the hill because I couldn't stop. And dude, her husband was. so so pissed like my buddy Jim had to like get in between us like he was so mad and I guess he should have been I mean you yeah, could, I was gonna say you could seriously hurt somebody like that but yeah it was right at the bottom of the hill of peak and peak and I just like smashed 
right into this woman. It was, it was, it, well, it was something. So Ronda Rousey has left the UFC. She is now a, a member of the WWE, uh, you know, franchise, that whole thing. And she was in Cleveland the other night. Because uh, Raw was here, I believe. Yeah, Monday night. Now, she didn't necessarily wrestle. I think she just ran down, kind of gave everybody high fives, and she's at, what, all the Raw events leading up to WrestleMania. Yeah, she will not have her first match until WrestleMania, which makes sense. So she did an interview with uh, with Golick from ESPN the other day, and he is just asking her the questions everyone's going to ask her for the next two years while she's being interviewed. And Ronda mishandles the interview. We have that. Let's take a listen. Let's go back and, and start with when you knew from the, the MMA, when you were done there, when you, when you knew in your mind, I'm not going to fight anymore. I never said that. Ah, so there is a possibility that you could go back in time? There's a possibility that I could go back in time? That's go, your question to me? See, go now, back right there. in time. Now, and- as a broadcaster, he did not lay out that question as well as he could have. What he's asking her is, so there's a chance you'll go back and fight in the UFC after some time, in some time. But it does kind of come out as... You are going to go back in time and fight. But let's be honest. Ronda Rousey knew exactly what he was asking her and just chose to kind of be a bitch about it. So there is a possibility that you could go back in time? There's a possibility that I could go back in time? That's go, your question to me? Go back in time and, and, and fight. Go back in the octagon. I do not have the ability to go back in time, no. See? No. Would it doubles down again? on it. I don't know. Here's what I don't understand. Don't do the interview. This is as a guy who interviews people. You can tell within two minutes. You can tell whether somebody wants to be interviewed or not. Then don't do it. And somebody's gonna be like, "Well, the WWE probably wanted her to." Ronda Rousey is a big enough star where if she really went back and told Vince McMahon, "I don't feel like doing this today. Can we do something with ESPN tomorrow? Can I do something?" Like, if she really didn't feel like it, she could have got out of it. Be a grown-up and do your job. Like, no, you're not getting out of it. Like, no. That's like, the better you, example. You, you have a job to do. You were hired to do this job. Part of that job is doing press. At the end of the day, that's what you signed up Agreed. for. If you don't like those terms and conditions, do not work here anymore. And if you're going to go on an interview, I understand that, yes, there are going to be days that are better than others. There's going to be interviews that are better than others. But, like, it's a part of your job. Like, it's a part of your job to go out there and talk to these people. So, I, I, no, man, at the end of the day, this is Ronda Rousey. Like, and you you knew what he was implying there. For I sure understand. I understand maybe making, like, a little bit of a joke. Like, no, Mike, of course I can't go back in time. But, but you're I not. maybe think about fighting in a year. Right. Oh, right, right, That's right, right. right. Or, 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 no, hey, I'm focused on WWE. Or, hey, no, I can't go back in time. But if I, if I could, I would go back to the 1950s or whatever the hell joke you want to make there. But to be like, no. I can't go back in time. Like that's just absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. No, she's just being rude to be rude. And I gotta tell you, dude, this woman's not doing a great job post UFC. Like she goes to the WWE that first pay per view, she's hammered drunk. She couldn't answer the question. She was hammered drunk. And what did I say then? I said she's nervous about having to do this end of this, and that's why she's getting drunk. And dude, I gotta tell you, I gotta wonder if that's not part of this. If that, if there's a little bit of her that's like, dude, I don't like this part of this. I, I, I don't, I don't know if if that's the case or not. But at the end of the day, it's like, 
you can't you can't like throw a hissy fit because people are going to ask you about this. People are going to ask you about this every single interview you do with a reputable organization. I mean, if if, if you're doing an interview with WWE.com, they're not going to be like, yo, you came back in the squared we're, circle we're, yeah, we're or in the octagon. Right. But like, of course, when you go on ESPN, know what you're dealing with here. Like, it, 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 honestly, it, like it it just makes me dislike her more at this point. I agree. That when I listened to that, I was like, as a guy who, and I was always on the Ronda was overrated. I was always on that. But as, but as a guy who loves the UFC, I love MMA, and as a matter of fact, we'll have some honor fighting championship tickets for you. As ma- we'll get those out here momentarily. That will be uh, Saturday night, Chaparral's Event Center, Akron. Fantone will be there as, uh, I believe you're hosting, right? I'll be up there. So we'll get you into some MMA on Saturday. I'm a huge fan of, uh, I'm a huge fan of the fighting thing there, the, the MMA. I love it. I love watching it. That I've always felt like she was just, A, I felt like she got way too much credit, and they skyrocketed her because it, it, to some people she's super pretty. I don't totally see it. She's not unattractive, but I don't get this Ronda super hot thing. I don't totally get that. Um, but she's not an unattractive woman. I, I you know, I'm not going to hate on her just to hate on her. But the, the, I just feel like there's she's I mean, she's kind of a bitch, right? Like, that's just kind of who she is. I think she's having a hard time realizing, like, the lifestyle change here of, like, you went from being top of the pops, like, the the greatest thing in MMA for the time that you, you know, you were in it, um, to now all of a sudden it's like, God, I got to go do an interview with Mike Golick. Like I don't want I don't want to have to do that, and 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 I, I think too with MMA she had the ability there to be a little bit more who she wanted to be. Where the she fights could, were going to sell no matter what, right? Where it's like in WWE, it's like no, this is your specific your what your role is, you're what you're supposed to be doing. Right? It's not just you and what you want to do. Like now, I would have to imagine if she wants to fight again, Vince would allow it, right? Because he's allowed Brock Lesnar to do it. I don't know if he would let her do it right out of the gate. I mean, Brock Lesnar's at least established like as his. Like, you know what I mean? That's fair. So if if, if two fair. if two years from now she's you know been wrestling for a while and then it's like, hey, we can get you in a fight, maybe. But I don't think I don't think after WrestleMania it's going to be like, oh, she's going to fight now. I don't think she's ever going to fight. I don't know why you would. I don't think she's going to fight again. As a matter of fact, Joe Rogan has said multiple times on his show. That he feels like Ronda, after getting knocked out, is gun shy and can't do it, and kind of feels like, dude, she she's seen her mortality in the in the, in the octagon, and it freaks her out. And I agree. And I remember saying before the Holly Holm fight, what did I say? That she's never fought a woman as tough as Holly Holm. Holly Holm is the toughest fighter she's ever fought. Sure enough, what happened? Holly Holm knocked her punk ass out. That's what happened. I mean, it's just it, I mean, it's just the way it is. I remember we had Jessica Evil Eye on the program. She said, dude. Ronda didn't win that championship. They created it and handed it to her because she was starting to get a lot of attention. And that we, and then sure enough, we saw she started to fight more and more tough chicks. What happened? I, I think there was a little bit of Tiger Woods with Ronda Rousey and the fact that here we have this woman inside a male-dominated thing that's aw- that that is on appearances is awesome at it. Much like here we have Tiger, an African American in, in a white-dominated sport. And oh my god, this isn't really supposed to happen. And so like the attention then got like fivefold. Now, as I'm comparing those two athletes, Tiger Woods had the much better career. I think Ronda is a little bit more towards the gimmick end of it, where Tiger was in fact the real deal. Now Ronda fought before UFC. She's a bad bitch. I'm not saying she can't fight. She's tough, dude. Like she can fight for sure. 
but she is not the Tiger Woods of female UFC. We have yet to see the female UFC fighter that equates to Tiger Woods. We, we don't have that athlete as of yet. We do have some Honor Fighting Championship tickets. That's Saturday, Chaparral's Event Center, Akron. Let's get you hooked up right now by taking caller 20, 1-800-243-7625 on those. Get you hooked up with $1,000 and find out what's going into the Video Game Hall of Fame. Next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. That guy knows how to party. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We're online for WRKK.com and can hook you up with $1,000 here pretty soon. I um I have a list here that they say are the finalists for the World Video Game Hall of Fame. That's a Hall of Fame I would like to go to. I don't even know where it is. But I would like to go to that Hall of Fame. I think that that would be an interesting like walkthrough. I wonder what the sanctioning body of that is. You know what I'm saying? With the Pro Football Hall of Fame, like the NFL is associated with it. MLB, basketball, baseball, you know what I'm saying? Like those all have, who is it like does Sega give them the does Nintendo? Who's giving them the you know? I'm at worldvideogamehalloffame.org which I'm guessing is their official website Okay. and there's a nominate button. Okay. So is it just that? I don't know. There's also a player's choice ballot here. But they have 12 games that are finalists for the 2018 induction into the Strong's World Video Game Hall of Fame. The uh, the actual games that get put into the Hall of Fame will be announced Thursday, May 3rd, 10.30 a.m. So May 4th, we'll probably tell you what actually made it in. But we have the games that are being considered to go in. Now, some of these are franchises. So I'm guessing that they are just putting the franchise in versus, you know, this game. version of said franchise. Okay. Tomb Raider on the list of video game Hall of Fame finalists. Yeah, should be. I, I Huge lo- game. I liked those games, but I always like. I always felt like, what are what's everyone so like obsessed with them over? Like, I never thought they were that good. Like, oh, like, I disagree. I like, they were liked great. them, but I always thought they were really, really good. Um, also, pretty ahead of its time with the female character, that kind of thing. And I think that that's going to definitely play its role into getting them into the Hall of Fame. I feel like they're a shoe in. Actually, I know the last. Was it the? I think it was the last Tomb Raider I had for the Xbox One. That game was really good. I dude, I haven't had a video game system since the PlayStation Two, so I don't. I I can't speak on new games, but like to me, it always just kind of felt like I don't know. They were hyped, and it was like, yeah, all right. It initially when it first came out, it felt like a cheap ripoff of Indiana Jones. It did kind of feel that way, but the, but the franchise has put together a bunch of really good titles. To me, so many of my friends I thought liked it because there was a chick, and it's like that was part of it. I don't know. The triangle boobs didn't do it for me. I guess. That was definitely part of it while, while while people were growing up. But like I said, dude, that last game for Xbox One was really good. Space War is another finalist. This is a game I don't know. But oh. apparently um, MIT students created Space War in 1962 on a mainframe computer. The game featured two starships firing torpedoes. So again, this is ahead of its time. It's probably going to get that nod of, you know, this is like one of the forefathers of what we're playing. Miss Pac-Man is on the list. 
to go into the uh, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a great game. I mean, there's there's no doubt, but it just doesn't feel that much different to me than Pac-Man. I was going to say, outside of her wearing a bow, was there any difference? I'm not sure there was. I think there was different, like, prize amounts for the fruit you ate, maybe. I think there were very small differences, but I can't, I, I don't know what the differences are off the top of my head. That should just get lumped in with Pac-Man. It did sell, Miss Pac-Man sold 125,000 cabinets within its first five years of release, making it one of the five best-selling arcade games of all time. All right. I mean, okay. I mean, sales are definitely going to have to be part of this. Another game that a bunch of your kids, I'm sure, are still constantly playing. My niece is a huge fan of this, and I've actually never played it being a video game person, is Minecraft. It became a, a global phenomenon in, in the seven years since it came out around 2009. Players in a worldwide online community make their own creations using sets of pixelated blocks, and then they mine and use to build elaborate structures. As of 2015, Phantom, the game had sold more than 70 million copies across several platforms. Yikes. It's one of those games you can't win, right? Like, there's I no... I, I don't know a thing about it. I think it's like you just—it's like kind of like The Sims, I guess, where it's like you don't really win it; you just keep playing you it. Just I keep think. playing it. My niece and her friends, when I was out in Vegas for Christmas, dude, they played that thing for hours on end. Like I could, and as a video game person, I was like, I, I still, I was watching it, and I was like, I'm not getting this. Metroid is a game that's on the list to go in the Hall of Fame. If you're an original Nintendo player, that's a huge hit. King's Quest is on the list. John Madden Football is going to go. I believe this will sail into the Hall of Fame. I, I can't think of a video game franchise um, outside of some of the first... Per- I, there's no bigger sports franchise than John yeah, Madden Football. Yeah, at the end of right? the day, sports, it's the cream of the crop there. Absolutely. Half-Life is a game I didn't really play a lot, but they were popular. If that gets on the list, I'm all right with it. Final Fantasy VII. Again, I don't know why we're not just making Final Fantasy the category there. There's been like 3,000 of those. I don't know why we're not... I was never into the Final Fantasy game, so I don't know much about that. I think Final Fantasy VII is one of the games that it kind of like took things a step further, kind of moved forward. And I wonder if Final Fantasy, the, 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 like the entire, you know, entirety of it, of its catalog there is in, and this one specifically is getting in. I wonder you know how, like, true. you can make the, you can make the yeah. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as, as the Beatles, and then John Lennon gets in yeah, too. Yeah, that can happen. Yeah, I wonder if that is how that happened. Dance Dance Revolution's on the list. Not my kind of game, but it was massively popular. Um, Call of Duty. Launched by Infinity Ward and Activision back in 03, Call of Duty helped popularize, popularize the cinematic first-person shooter game. It definitely did that. Um, and yeah, this is a shoe-in. It, it's, I, there is probably no stronger franchise to date on, on these type of consoles than the Call of Duty franchise. Um, and especially in the first-person shooter realm. As a matter of fact, that last one, World War II, was so good. It's still so good. The updates they've been releasing the last few months have been great. Uh, if you're a Call of Duty fan, that game is really, really good. I think that that's a shoe-in, and it should be in its, you know, I think that should definitely be in the Hall of Fame. And Asteroids, released in 1979. Atari's Asteroids offered players the challenging gameplay, obviously. Glowing graphics and some other things there. Sold more than 70,000 arcade units. The home version of the game made available on the Atari 2600 took the game's popularity to new heights, bringing it into millions of living rooms. And it was. It was a huge game in my living room growing up with the Atari. I loved Asteroids. That's for sure. And I still, I will always tell you, I think my favorite video game of all time is Galaga. I believe they are already in the Hall of Fame, as they should be. 
and uh, I will give you a recommendation for Nintendo Switch players. And now you may be able to buy this on Xbox and PlayStation 2 inside the stores because this is not like a Nintendo game. It's just a game that the Switch has on its eStore, and it might be in the Xbox store. I just haven't looked, but it's called Neon Wall. And if you're into like puzzles and like that kind of thing, it's essentially a 3D pinball game, but it is very, very different than just, you know, hitting flippers and moving balls around. It's called Neon Wall, and it's, I believe it's on the e-stores of most of the systems, but that game was, it cost me 10 bucks, and it has taken over my life. I am so, so addicted to that game. It's a, I full-on recommend Neon Wall. You should take a look at that. Fantone wants to take away the pilot license of two different people operating planes, and he might have a good reason to do it. We'll give you that after you get hooked up with this $1,000 right now. Your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword CASH to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's CASH to 200-200. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. Teresa will get you hooked up with another $1,000. 10 times. Stick around and check her out. So Fantone's been waiting all morning to talk about this because he's. Uh, this is one of those things that kind of sets him off for some reason. We all kind of have those things. I, it's not, not that I disagree with him. It's just we do disagree about what the possibility of this is. But I guess somewhere over Arizona, pilots that had been flying on two separate aircrafts reported seeing an unidentified flying object over Arizona last month took place over the southern Arizona over southern Arizona around 3:30 in the afternoon on the 24th of February um, it was between the new uh, the New Mexico border and the Sonoran uh, National Monument which is about 40 miles from Phoenix one witness, Fantone, a commercial pilot flying a jet for American Airlines, said the object was above 40,000 feet and had a big reflection. He says, I don't know what it was, the pilot told Albuquerque Air Traffic Control. It wasn't an airplane, but it, w- it was not an airplane, but it was. The path was going in the opposite direction. Air Traffic Control had told an aircraft on a similar flight path to let him know if anything passes over him in the next few miles. So then a few minutes later, the pilot confirmed that something had passed over his aircraft. Don't know what it was, but it was at least two, 3,000 feet above us, he said. It passed right over top of us, which should not happen in the air. I'm adding that last part. That should not happen in the air, but that should not happen in the air. It says, can you tell if it was in motion or just hovering, traffic control asked. Negative. I don't know if it was a weather balloon or whatnot, the pilot said. It had a big reflection several thousand feet above us going the opposite direction. After questions about whether it was a Google balloon, another voice responded and said, it's a UFO. Arizona had more than 4,500 reported UFO sightings from 2001 to 2015. It's also home to the most infamous UFO cases of all time, the Phoenix Lights. Now, you don't believe in UFOs at all. Well, I guess what are we talking about here? Are we talking about unidentified flying objects? That's different to me than an alien spacecraft. Though that's, that's where my concern is here, is do you think that's an alien spacecraft? For you to say, oh, well, may, dude, maybe it's a weather balloon. Maybe it's a Google something. 
all right, that's a logical like thought. Like I get that. It's when you start saying like, "Oh, that's dude, that, that's an alien spacecraft up there is where my problem is." Somebody else in the plane said it was a UFO. I want to believe in in, in in space travel. Like I do. I want to believe in aliens. I want to believe in UFOs. I do. I think it is egotistical to look at space and go, we're the only things here. I think that's egotistical. I think there is obviously intelligent life form in other places. Can they move around? Can they get here? Can they do all that? I don't know. I maintain that a lot of people tell me, well, the science is they couldn't and this and that. And I maintain that, it, well, if it's alien life form, they have abilities that we won't understand yet. Much like I'm sure we would not understand their language. Doesn't mean that they, they, that's like saying, well, we don't understand their language, so they can't communicate with one another. Yes, they could. Obviously, they could. So d- d- trying to put it through the what makes sense for Earth statistics and math and like light years and this and that, I don't think that that comes into it because I believe that they would be more advanced in certain areas than we are. Much like how people will tell you about God. You can't fathom it, bro, because you can't create that. And so, like, that's, I think it's one of those things. And until I get evidence, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's that's where I get caught up is like, yes, in the hypothetical, anything's possible. It's like, yeah, I guess. But until I see some sort of evidence of it, I'm going to remain skeptical. I'm skeptical, too, but I leave my mind open to it where you sound much more closed off. Cannot happen. As far as I can see, as far as like it's been presented to me. Yeah, but so. that's as far as you can see. That's what I'm saying is that the rest of some of us uh, that, that agree with you ultimately, but we are more open to the fact that it's an idea. You need to see that it has happened before you're even willing to admit that it can be true. That you then you are shut off to the idea because it cannot be explained by our our science that, that you believe that it is impossible for it to happen. Right. I want to make sure I understand you. Yes. In- okay. Until I'm shown otherwise, yes. I mean... Yeah, I guess I, what I'm saying is I don't necessarily need to be shown proof to think that that, that, uh, that life form from other planets could move around. That I would believe that, th- that their systems could be so far advanced or so different from ours that I would not understand what it is I was looking at or maybe not understand what it is I'm seeing. I, I believe that that can happen. Now... That's me wanting to be open to the idea of alien travel. I don't necessarily believe everyone who says that they've seen something. And if I'm an airline and my pilot says, I just saw a UFO in the sky, buddy, you're grounded. For a little while, you're grounded. There's a lot of people's lives in your hands. And I need to know that you are psychologically able to handle that plane up there. So you're going to be grounded for about a month until we figure out what's going on with you. Yeah, I was going to say, even from the perspective of like, you can't have you can't have people questioning your pilots. I, I 100% understand why like that would be very important for an airline. And I, I, yes. I think it goes back into like, did you see something? Yes. So therefore, and it's an unidentified flying object. Yes, you saw that. Unidentified is very different than, than y- alien space than alien spacecraft. For sure, it is absolutely. And I do like how the first pilot's kind of like, "Wow, dude, I don't know. It could have been this. Could have been that." But here's what I want to know. I would have to imagine that somebody somewhere on the ground knows where those weather balloons are at all times, right? Like they're obviously there's a tracking system in them. We know where they are, right? So how could we not go then back? To said date, or why did we not look on said date and say, actually, we have the flight plan. That balloon was nowhere near you. Um, 
is it not possible for a private citizen to have put it up there and you don't necessarily have the 3,000 feet above where a commercial air, airplane flies? I mean, I, you can, I mean, remember Balloon Boy? His dad just had like a private weather balloon. Like, you can buy them. I guess it's, yes, I guess it's possible. Aren't normally you're charged if you're flying things in, in the path of a, of a commercial airline? Like, yeah, I mean, if you go out to Akron Canton Airport right now and just start letting off, like, weather balloons, there's going to be an issue. See, that's what I'm saying, is that if they believe that this is what this was, and they would look and be sure, and that if it wasn't a sanctioned weather balloon and it was a citizen, we would have somebody under arrest for said activity, and yet we don't. But if you didn't know who that citizen was, you know what I'm saying? Like, how, how would they know who it was? All right, there's fa- that's fair, too. I want to believe in this. I don't think it's necessarily happening i want to believe in it because again i just think it's cocky and egotistical to look at a vast space like that and go no i mean we're the only things here human beings nailed it i mean i just don't buy that and i think it's egotistical yeah i don't i it's not that i disbelieve in life on other planets i just don't think deep space travel is possible now, I am being told, Michelle's telling me that there is a blimp that monitors the border. Okay. Now, I would imagine, Michelle, that I would imagine that pilots that fly in that area would know that, right? Like, wouldn't you make your pilot aware of things like that? Again, I don't think these guys saw a UFO. I really don't. And if I, I think it was United, maybe. I, don't quote me on the airline. But if if I was the head of that airline, and this is what was coming from the cockpit, I'd be like, guys, you're grounded for a little while. We're Very running, concerning. We're running you through some psychological tests to make sure you can handle 200 and some lives up there. There's plenty. There's plenty of people where it'd be like, eh, whatever. Who cares? You work it, you know, wherever, and I don't care. But you're right, dude. I mean, a pilot, I don't want you up there. A surgeon, I don't want you being like, yo, I believe in aliens. Uh, officers of the law, things like that, where there's like oh, that responsibility. Wait, hold on. You don't think a guy could perform heart surgery while believing in aliens? If you gave me two doctors, all things were equal right there, and it's like this guy has seen UFOs, believes he's been abducted, believes that this is happening okay, versus that's one a, that's not. That's a different thing than believing in aliens. So yes, if you're going if that's no. the scenario in which you're picking, is a doctor believes he was abducted by aliens, then yeah, give me the, the give me the Even other doctor. Even the possibility of like you believing that you saw aliens like if, if, if they're able to travel here, why wouldn't they be able to abduct you? It's not that much outside, right? I, I would believe that if they abduct you, they don't give you back. But that's me. That, yes, if a doctor thought he was abducted by aliens, I would be cautious about letting that guy cut me open. But a guy that believed in alien life form, I'm perfectly fine with. As a matter of fact, I would want my doctor to be as open-minded as humanly possible. That way, he's at least open to other ideas of medicine and could, and could supply the best medical care for me. I like open-minded people. I don't like people who are like, no, this is exactly what I believe, and I'm immovable on it. I hate that, because you're always wrong that way. You'll always be wrong that way. But if I were the airline, I would be putting these guys through a pretty significant psych- you know, psychological test to find out whether or not they are fit to go back up in the air. We have more Stansberry Show for you, and you'll get it next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. Teresa will get you hooked up with $1,000 coming up. Dude, today flew by. Quick one. I, uh, 
It's like I blinked and this one's over. There is going to be a topic of conversation that will dominate a big portion of tomorrow's program that I'm sure a lot of you are seeing now as it's kind of breaking, uh, has been for about the last hour and a half. Corey Feldman, I guess. Now, I haven't read a ton on this yet, which is why it's why I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for tomorrow for to really get into it. But Corey Feldman um, claims he was stabbed by a wolf pack of people. He's showing pictures from his hospital bed. Um, I was happy to find out it was a wolf pack of people and not like a pack of wolves. Okay. All right. But he's calling them like, I think because they were hunting him, like that kind of thing. Okay. All right. Now, at first I was like, well, Corey Feldman. I mean, come on. Right. And then I was like, well, this was the guy who was like, hey, man, there's a bunch of pedophiles in Hollywood. And everybody told him to shut up for 15 years. And then it turns out we found out, nah, dude, there's some pedophiles in Hollywood. Dude, there's some sexual inappropriate stuff happening in Hollywood. Corey Feldman was like the first one on it. We all laughed him off. Like, yeah, whatever, Goonies boy. And then sure enough, we ended up finding out. No, yeah, they have, there they are. There's a bunch of them. Kevin Spacey was one of them. There's a bunch of them. Right. There's a bunch of this kind of stuff. And so the, there is part of me that's like. Well, dude, are they trying to shut him up? But then I thought about it, and I was like, well, dude, you're talking about studio heads, right? You're talking about dudes with billions of dollars at play that they have access to. If they wanted Corey Feldman dead, don't they hire a guy who gets it done, like who shoots him from far away, doesn't have to stab him? Like if if Hollywood wanted Corey Feldman dead, he'd be dead. Yeah, wolf pack of people doesn't necessarily like lead to an assassin. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't make me think that. Um, I mean, quite I don't don't know. I guess until there's more details of this and it's not just Corey Feldman giving his account of it, I I I don't know what to hear. Yeah, I'm gonna need a little bit more on that. Now, I would agree that are there are there people in Hollywood that want Corey Feldman to shut up and not give his story and not give names? And yes, of course there are. People are going to look to protect their livelihoods and 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 their paychecks. I totally understand that. But I maintain that these people are powerful and evil enough. And at this where point, if they wanted to wipe you off the planet, it'd be done. Hasn't Corey Feldman told his story? I mean, like, is what's he well, waiting for if he's not? He claims he has gone to the police station multiple times, given names, and they won't do anything. So there's no, uh, you know what I'm saying? So what would kill, what would killing Corey Feldman do? Not, you know what I mean? Like, what, what would it accomplish if, you've, if he's already given the names to police? That's a good point too. That's a good point too. But could it be as could it be as simple as crazy relatives of somebody he's implicating? Maybe. I mean, it could be that for sure. I could see my brother he having to deal with something that that comes from this radio show or people like threatening me and my brother like seeing that person in public and going, you know what, dude, that dude's the con- that's the guy that's constantly like harassing my brother on Twitter and punching him in a parking lot. I could see that. Now, would my brother stab somebody over this? No. But I could see my brother, like, smacking you across the face and be like, leave my brother alone. I could see that. You know what I mean? So, like, I could see a family member of somebody he's implicating. But I think, I mean, doesn't the, I mean, the guy also lives in, I mean, it doesn't matter where you live, but he does live in California. I mean, there's a bunch of people there. I mean, it's like, crime's not exactly, you know what I mean? Like, right, this like could a, just have happened. It's a, like, crime's not necessarily a stranger to Los Angeles. I don't know where this happened. He could have been moving around, like I said. I haven't read totally into it yet. But I maintain that if, like, the head of Warner Brothers wanted you dead, you would be dead. Like, they have enough money, power, and evil inside of them, dude. If they wanted you off the planet, you'd be off the planet. 
More Stansberry Show happens tomorrow at 6 o'clock a.m. We will be on Rock 106.9. We're also online at WRQK.com, where if you've missed anything today, you can podcast it there. Also, your smart speaker, just say Alexa, play Rock 106.9, or Google, play Rock 106.9. It's how you can do that. Teresa will get you hooked up with $1,000 at 1010 this morning. We will talk to you again tomorrow morning. You guys have a great afternoon. See you. Hope you boys brought popcorn. The Stansberry Show. Because I'm about to put on a show. Rock 106.9.